Good. Yeah. All right, guys. Welcome back. Another podcast episode here for you. Um, going to. We're coming off of a fishing trip. I think the last one we recorded, we recorded was right before we left. We had a great time. Um, it was relaxing. I did come back energized. I also came back pretty tired. But uh, those, I think, are important breaks um, for us. I think it's important to take breaks with dogs. Obviously, I didn't bring any dogs with me, so they got a break um, from me not being here. But I do think that we come back. It's one of the things that's overlooked with dogs is sometimes we push, 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 and we don't take into consideration that it can wear them out a little bit. Um, and so one of the things that, that I think you got to remember is taking a few days off is not the worst thing, whether it's for you or for the dog. Um, we're going to talk about today. I, I had some, I had some time when I'm away. I, I don't necessarily, I don't know that I'm, that I'm real happy about it, but I tend to not necessarily completely unplug and got a lot, had a lot of time to think about stuff. Ben and I were in the truck for a long time together. We had a chance to talk about stuff. We, we drove up um, to where I feel is one of the most relaxing places in the world, northern Michigan, um, in, the, in the extreme northern UP. And unfortunately, maybe, we spent the entire drive up there until we had no cell service, making phone calls and um, sourcing materials and We've got a pretty interesting project that we're working on right now, and I'm really excited about it. It's going to be kind of tied into tonight, today's podcast. Um, it, it's it's related to so we've one of the things that I, my takeaways from this spring at our workshops were there are a few things that that seem to stand out to me as far as struggles, specific struggles that people um, have with their dogs, and one of them is. And the other part and the other reason I like this subject or topic is because of the number of people that have reached out to me with positive things to say about how it's impacted their training and how they've um, it's what they were looking for. And so hold conditioning is what we're talking about. Um, it's it's something that's been on my mind for a while now. I, I would say we probably talk have done more episodes on it of our podcast than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, we are in the process of developing a specific video collection for it. Like we have a formal video. Um, I've talked about this before that we produced that was, it was part of our, um, shed training video and it was a a chapter and it ended up being such a big part of that video. We decided to, to separate it. Um, it's a whole conditioning video. We give it away for free. It's on our website. You can download it for free. You can also get it on the web, on, on our YouTube channel from that but that's that's videoed and that's an hour and it's edited and we use i think we use two dogs i think we use hutch and millie in it um we it's you can't cover it all and so we've also we always have a breakout session here at our workshops we talk about whole conditioning it's one breakout session it takes about an hour uh we do it as a large group we usually grab a couple dogs that are from the from the workshop um we use them i I, this time i used Callie a little bit um I used Brian Urban's dog. I used Brian Kiedis's dog. I used uh, Jeff's dog, Jeff Davis's dog. I've, I've used a bunch of dogs, a bunch of different dogs this season, this year of workshops. And it's because every time we do it and demonstrate it, it's a little different because the dogs are different and at different points and different stages. You can't cover it all and can't get all the information out in an hour. 
we've done video series with lots of different dogs, Ben and, and, and haven't shared them yet, so it's coming. So it's something that we're co- collecting right now. We're pooling it together. We're going to create its own little world for us in our dog bone stuff, our dog bone content. And it's going to be a bunch of stuff about hold conditioning. And not one of them will cover everything. Like, not one of them is complete. A combination of all of them might be close to complete. But I don't know that we have shown dogs. Bella is probably one that we showed start to finish. Like, we filmed every episode with her of hold conditioning. So I actually, just this morning, I put together a playlist on YouTube. Okay, so you started the playlist. Yeah, so the first episode, the first video in the playlist is our hold conditioning video, our or okay. filmed and produced one, so that one's kind of an overview of the you know of the process. Yep. Then we have there's like six or seven different podcasts where we talk about hold conditioning. So okay. video blogs are in there. Yep. Then we go into the Bella series. We have Bella's. Com- all this is loaded already. Yeah, that's okay. all this right in the playlist. So you got the Bella where we started the first day. We started hold conditioning till when we said it was we we're done. Yeah. The formal hold conditioning. Yep. There. Then it goes to live with Spry. Same thing, first day of hold conditioning to good when you stop. So that's the. So we've started it. Now, now we've yeah. got. I know we have some old Ellie footage with hold. I know we have Ellie's sister Kimber with hold. I know we have Elsa with hold. I think we have Jet with hold. I think we have Tito with hold. We've had a lot of hold videos. Mm-hmm. They're not all complete, start to finish. Some of them are, like you've mentioned, but some of them aren't. All of them have value because every dog handles it different. Elsa's the only dog that I've ever had that wouldn't walk across the two two freezers like she got stuck at a weird spot never had if i had another dog have a problem with it um last night brian urban who is a friend of mine who came to the workshop um the last workshop he came over i've been helping him on the side with his dog we started hold conditioning months ago uh he hasn't quite seen it through complete yet he came over we worked on some stuff last night it, we used a, a long lead that I've never used. I never, I've never used a thirty-foot check cord on a hold conditioning process. We did it with his dog because we just did things differently last night than I've ever had to do it before. And the reason we did it is because those each dog is different, and I felt like this was a need for us to try this certain thing with his dog, and it and it really worked well. Um, but we went too far with it and then the dog kind of faded at the end. And so we talked about, okay, next time you're going to replicate this, but you can do it a little bit shorter. So, but hold conditioning, the process itself, it as a, as a, uh, in opposition to, or as an alternative to force fetch, trained retrieve, whatever people call it these days, it's, it's all, it's got lots of different names, but the other, the other way of doing it that requires a little bit what, in my opinion, a little bit too much um, from a pressure standpoint. I'm just not comfortable with it. I don't think it's necessary. Listen to the other podcasts. I go into more detail on that. But this topic is such a big one. We're going to make a point. And the other thing is, is I've really started to pay more attention to it. The people that, so this is one thing that people come to the workshops with that it's a common theme of hold conditioning would help you. Hold conditioning is what you need. It's usually dogs around a year old. Um, it, I don't. We're not going to base it on age, and we'll talk about it specifically with this guy because I got a. I got one email here that we're going to talk about because I think it's a good one that is another variation or alternative description of a question, a commonly asked question regarding hold conditioning. This will be another one that'll turn into go into that playlist or pothole of, of stuff. So. 
but the they you know they're usually about a year old I, I think when they come in here and we see it you know it could be as old as 18 months it could be as young as 10 months but somewhere in that range they're beyond teething they're you know they're they're to the point where whole conditioning is probably necessary and it's just such a big gap that doesn't get closed very easily and i think it's hard for me to message it properly because it's not clean cut it's not abc type thing and i don't do a very good job of emphasizing the need for preconditioning your dog for hold conditioning formally and that means from day one so your hold conditioning i found that for me personally hold conditioning has gotten shorter and shorter and shorter the more the, the longer i've gone in my training and the number of dogs that i've worked with because i think i recognize the importance of it so early on being shaped properly. And that means the first retrieve. That means thinking about all that stuff from day one instead of thinking about it when you realize the symptoms or the problems and trying to figure out how to fix those. Instead, we're going to like work on building this from the inside out. And it means from the very, very early on retrieves on, it makes our life easier because whole, the symptoms aren't as bad when that happens. So we... Part of it is mechanical. Part of it is the things we use. And I've been studying the hell out of that. And so that's part of this project. That's part of the sourcing that we've been doing. Um, we're working on some design things that I just feel like will make life easier for us to get through this process and also maybe avoid some of the issues. So more to come on that. But I'm going to get into this email. I got an email from a guy named Pat. I emailed him back yesterday. This email came to me a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago. Um, I, I I am playing, as I continue to tell you, I play a lot of catch-up. There's a, a large, long list of emails and DMs and, and messages and stuff. So thanks for all your patience with it. This one came on June 1st. I emailed him back yesterday because I had earmarked this one for a, a couple weeks. I forwarded it to Ben it ended up in my, it was in my junk mail, actually. I forwarded it to Ben and said, podcast, let's record this. So I sent him a message and I said, hey, there's a lot here. Um, I'm going to send it to Ben. We're going to record podcasts. So he responded back, can't wait to see it, hear it, love your content, blah, blah, blah. So appreciate that, Pat. I appreciate your patience too. Here's your question. I'm going to read it out loud and then we're going to address it. And I like it and I'll explain why I like it as I get into it here. So hi, Jeremy. I have a six-month-old black British lab Training has been going okay so far, but he's having some of the typical hiccups. Victory laps on retrieves, throwing the bumper up to himself on the way back, etc. I don't like the idea of force fetch as he lives as he lives for playing fetch. So I don't want to ruin that driver excitement. Hold conditioning seems to be the perfect solution. Do you think six months is too young? I know you said wait until he's done teething, which he's done teething now. However, in the last podcast of Unhold Conditioning, I heard you say five months is way too young, and now I'm concerned that six months is too young as well. He is six months, one week to be exact. What age would you recommend? I know there's probably no exact age, but I like a rough age range of dogs. You have previously started with hold conditioning that seems to work best. Tate, my puppy, currently does victory laps on his way back from retrieves, which is the intent of me wanting to start hold conditioning. I am not sure how to break this habit with, without some f- sort of force fetch techniques, which is why I am thinking about hold conditioning. However, again, after listening to episode 60 of your podcast, 
I think I need to wait on hold conditioning and take a few steps back in my training. Maybe shorter retrieves, fewer retrieves per week. Any other suggestions to break this habit positively? When I move into hold training, I do have a few questions. I have watched, I think, every video and podcast you have that talks about hold conditioning. That's a lot. Uh, I have a couple quick questions before I start the process. I apologize if they're in a video that I missed or I missed them in the video I watched. While I, while number one, while the process of hold, while in the process of hold training, I know you said do not play fetch during the process. What about other toys around the house? He likes to carry around toys, balls, bones, etc., around the house. Should I take these away while we're hold conditioning so he doesn't ha- get in the habit of dropping them? Number two, what are the actual steps of hold conditioning? Steps in progression. From what I have gathered, let me know if this is correct. Step one. Hold conditioning on an elevated platform with a wooden dowel or something similar, including getting comfortable, etc. in this step, which is obviously first. Step two, hold conditioning on the ground with a wooden dowel. Step three, hold conditioning on a platform with a bumper or dummy. Step four, hold conditioning on ground with a bumper or dummy. Step five, short delivery while holding, healing. Step six, practice not switching out while holding. Step seven, longer delivery while holding. Thanks for the help. Love your podcast. Love your videos, Pat. So that's why I responded back. Pat, thanks for the message. There's a lot here. So it's not something that I, I it would take me so long to write, write a thorough message back that I would, I would shortcut it because I wouldn't have enough time to do it thoroughly. Um, my fingers would get sore typing. I'd run out of room. So I, want, I do think this is a real good topic for us to talk about. There's, there is so many different things with it, though. So I'm going to break it down into a few few parts here based on how he sent me this message. So starting out, he's got a six-month-old dog. Do I think six... So his symptoms are typical hiccups, as he puts it. Victory laps, throwing the bumper to himself. You guys have all seen that. The dog picks it up and tosses it around. They're playing with it. They're not, they're not retrieving it. They're playing with it. Um, he doesn't like the idea of force fetch. He lives for fetching, so he doesn't want to ruin that driver excitement. I don't think, I don't know that, I, I don't talk about force fetch that much. I don't know that force fetch ruins the the drive or excitement for retrieve. I think it's just a very backwards way of, of doing things that I think are more natural. So I don't know that that is my concern with it. Um, so he said, he said, do you think six months is too young? There, I don't know. So the reason I don't know is it depends on so many variables. It could be. It might not be. The, if it, What I think about six months is, boy, that is really, really young. And I think, man, you've done it. If, if you have to hold condition at six months, you've really done some things to make some problems for yourself. And so I don't know if you've done that or not. To me, the idea of having a dog that runs a little victory lap or plays with a dummy once in a while is not the need, is not time to be let's go to hold conditioning because here's the thing maturity level is the reason they might be doing those victory laps it could be a lot of different reasons you might have really bad setups you might you may so so i always like to look at a problem and 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 analyze how come rather than how do i fix so you might have you got victory laps you got a dog that plays with stuff let's think about that and so and he's very young so I'm going to skip forward into your message here and said where it says, 
Let's see. While in the pro- so I'm going to skip down. You said while in the process of hold training, I know you said no fetch during the process. What about having other toys around? He likes to carry around toys, balls, bones, etc., around the house. Should I take these away while we're hold conditioning so he doesn't get in the habit of dropping them? I got news for you. Part of your problem is probably due to the fact that he's got he carries around toys, balls, bones, etc. It doesn't. You don't just take them away during hold conditioning. It, because you should, they should be gone during hold conditioning. And yes, retrieving stops during hold conditioning. Because the reason we're hold conditioning is 99% of the time because there's issues with the retrieve. So stop doing those retrieves, which are opportunities for those bad habits to continue to form and potentially erode whatever it is you're trying to fix during, with that hold conditioning process. So that's the reason we stop retrieving during. The reason we don't have bones, toys, balls around the house to carry and play with is because those are training tools and so what they do is they train the dog behavior and a lot of times i connect it and link it back to chewing i i hear so many people complain about their dogs chewing stuff up and then they go we get them all these chew toys we keep giving them more and more chew toys and we just can't get them to stop chewing our stuff up we give them all the stuff to chew on well the dog doesn't recognize that this you can chew on, that you can't. And so they're very easily trained very quickly to understand, they give me a lot of stuff to chew on. So when I see stuff that's interesting to me, I'll chew on it. It's like chewing your nails. It's a bad habit. I got it. I got it young. I haven't kicked it. I don't know that I ever will. The young dogs that have a lot of stuff to chew on, it creates habits that stick for a long time. So that probably has something to do with throwing the bumper up to himself and playing with it on the way back. So my answer is, it's only six months. So take all that stuff away and don't give it back ever. And start changing, reverting those habits that have been imprinted to this point. So I think that's part of it. So is it too early to start hold conditioning at six months? I The reason I would say yes is because... I don't know that they're mature enough to handle it. Like it's a pretty it's a pretty demanding process mentally as much as physically. Maybe more so than physically actually. So it is also a process that I think when we come out of it, I feel way more connected to the dog and I think the dog feels way more connected to me. Those are real benefits of hold conditioning that have nothing to do with the retrieve part. But you can you can only get so deep with dogs on that level, depending, and, it de- and it's dependent on their age and maturity. So it's, you can't ask little kids to take really, really tough tests because it's not because they're dumb. It's because they're just not mentally enough, mature enough to handle it. It might not be a physical thing, but it's a mind thing. So we have to be really conscious of that. So victory laps can be have nothing to do with hold conditioning it can have everything or the lack of it has everything to do with how you set them up so when dogs like to run laps and run away i go take away the freedom go back to setups that eliminate opportunities to fail which means nice straight long corridors get the the dog most dogs retrieve naturally that doesn't mean they come and deliver to your feet 
and hold. I just I just talked about that. Ben just put a really nice little clip together on our one of our snippets out of the workshop. And I talked about how dog training is dog training. And I talked about how, you know, these dogs have so many things that we bring out of them. And then we like make it, we customize it to what our needs are. And so for me, I like a retriever that goes out, picks up and comes back without fooling around. And I like dogs that come and they sit and deliver in front of me. I don't like them coming to the side. It's just a personal thing. But I shape all of that stuff. That's all preference. And that's all things that we, we hone. But I didn't start out with those young dogs. And this is, goes back to last night with Brian Urban, the guy that I'm working with on hold conditioning. He was working on getting his dog. He was asking his dog to do the, the hurdle the dog was having was it would hold really well and it would deliver when he called him to it. So you could put it at a remote sit at 50 yards, 100 yards, any distance. And you could call it to him and the dog would get up and come right to him and it would want to swing around. It would want to swing around and swing around and swing around. It never wanted to sit in front of him. And one of the things I told him was, Brian, when the dog comes in, don't duck down at the dog. You're ducking down like in an athletic stance. And I guarantee you that dog is feeling pressure. That's why that dog is swinging around away from you. He won't turn into you. He wants to turn away from you. It's because your body language is like, he thinks you're maybe going to tackle him instead of welcoming him in. Now, what Brian was thinking was, is he's heard me say, get the dog to you. So if you got to get down, get down and get the dog right to you, get him come into you. That's different than an athletic stance. And the difference is his dog already understands he's supposed to come to him. I get down and welcome them if they're not coming to me. Once they're coming to me, I don't stay down and act like I'm going to tackle them when they come. I stand up or I take a step away from them, and I make them come closer and close that gap instead of being pushed off of me. So I told him, I said, and he, he, he had to do it a couple times. I said, stand up. Don't get down. Stand up. As soon as he stood up, that dog would come right to him and sit down and put his chin up to him. And he's like, I can't believe it was that simple. But he doesn't see himself doing it. I got to watch him from a distance, you know, I stood next to him and I watched him and I read his body language. And I was like, Jesus, man, you're going to, it looks like you want to play wrestling with him. So that's why the dog was shying off from coming in and finishing. I said, you got to get the dog to come to you and finish. So stand up. Boom. It did it. Now, the other thing he had a problem with is when he sent the dog, everything was good when he would call the dog back to him. But when he would send the dog out to pick it up, as soon as that dog ran out and picked up the dummy, he lost his mind and he just went back to puppy and he went to running around and that's why we went with that little check cord. And when we put that little check cord on, the biggest hurdle was the dog understanding what the check cord was and it figuring out how to run and not, not allow it to distract him. So we did that a little bit. But when, when we ended up doing that, as the dog, before we did that, I told Brian, I don't want you to ask the dog to even sit still. Like, I don't even care about steadiness. Let's just be looser. Let's be a little bit looser, a little less control. Let's get the dog to have this mental, because what happened was, is he was having such focus in the dog. Dog was sitting nicely, lining nicely, steadying up nicely, and then he would release it. And when he released it, he went from like zero motion, zero activity in that dog's mind and body. The only thing it was thinking about was sit still, sit still, sit still, sit still. And then all of a sudden he went, go get it. And when he did that, this dog's about, I think his dog's a little over a year old. When he did that, the release of energy with that dog was so high, he lost his mind. He lost his shit. He ran around. He lost it. And so what I told him was, don't get him so calm and, and, and condensed and packaged up 
that you open up that can and just let it explode. I said, let the thing be moving around. I said, let the dog be moving around. Don't even. So we, we picked up the pace of the training. We did things a little bit different. We changed the, the way that he had been doing it. And then when the dog ran out to pick up the dummy, it wasn't such a black and white contrast. It wasn't such a, I'm sitting here still perfectly and then I explode. It was, I'm kind of moving, I'm kind of moving, I'm kind of moving. Whoop, I'm moving a little bit more and I'm moving back. And there wasn't as much difference. And that dog accepted that really well. And what, what the issue then was, when he came back to him, Brian was so picky about that delivery. He, he was adjusting the dummy. He was doing all that stuff. I said, Brian, you missed it. Your hurdle in this session was your dog won't run out and come back with it. He fucks up when he does that. He can't handle it. He gets way too messed up. I said, you cannot worry about the tedious little details of where the dummy is positioned in the mouth after he just did exactly what he was supposed to do. I said, forget about the ending. You already know he knows that. You've done that. It's been good in very controlled situations. Let's get, let's fix one thing at a time. So the objective was get the dog to go out and come back. And he was doing that. And I said, when he gets back to you, even if it's not perfect in your mouth, take it from him and tell him how good he is. Because you can polish that stuff up later. But that the parts and pieces of this whole puzzle, one of them was running out and getting it and coming back. He didn't have that. He couldn't do that. The part where he held the dummy in his mouth was good. The part when he delivered it was good, as long as he didn't have to run out and get it. So he had one, he had the beginning, he had the end, he didn't have the middle. And I said, so forget about making the beginning and the end perfect. Let it be okay and functional and get the middle part at least there. And now you've got all three parts. And now you can start working on making sure all three parts link together and get click, get, get fit together. And then when you fit them together, then we'll start worrying about perfection and polishing. But until you, you can't, you, if it's a three-step process and you have step one and step three and you don't have step two, no matter how much you per- perfect step one and step three, it will never happen without two. So one and three don't have to be perfect as long as you get two. And then you've got one, two, and three. One and three are better than two. So continue to work on it until one, two, and three are all pretty good. And then once one, two, and three are all pretty good, start making one perfect, two perfect, three perfect. And eventually you've got one, two, three perfect. But you've got to have them. So it's a side note, it's a side top, top, topic about this, but it's, that was a very unique situation. Doesn't happen with all of them. So Let's, let's continue on with this guy's email because this, that, that little part connects to the very end here of what we're going to talk about with him. But anyway, so six months old, I just think his mature, m- maturity level might not be there. And so we have to be patient with it. What I think you can do is don't wait until the dog gets mature to start worrying about how to get better at this. Instead, start addressing the things you can. Control the things that you can control. And that means your setup. Get back in the hallway. Simplify it. Don't allow the dog to run past you. Don't allow the the dog to run victory laps. Start doing that. Get that perfect. Get that really good. Take away the shit in the house. So the dog can't decide to to form a habit of, I'm going to play with stuff. I'm going to toss stuff up in the air. I'm going to chase stuff by myself. I can throw it and chase it down myself. I can lunge at it like a little cat. I can do all these little games with all these little toys and all these little balls and all these little bones. And then when I go out in the yard, he expects me to say, forget all that stuff that you've been doing all day long and be a big boy. It doesn't work that way. So 
you can start to help yourself on the hold conditioning process now. But I don't think it's hold conditioning formal. Now, Tate, my puppy, currently does the victory laps. Um, I'm not sure how to break this habit. We just talked about that. Um, you Podcast 60, we talked about the age. Okay, so we talked about that. When I moved to hold training, I do have a few questions. I watched the, I think, every video. Okay, so step question one was that we just talked about with toys, balls, all that stuff. Number two, so this brings us to the, the beginning here. And I thought I saw something in there where you said something about you want to do this, and it was here, the very ending. It says, uh, maybe shorter retrieves, fewer retrieves in a week were some of the thoughts you were thinking. I don't know that that has anything to do with it. Maybe few, maybe fewer. Fewer is always better, I think. But I would say the few that you do have to be good. The shorter retrieves, sure. Make them short. Make, shorter is easier to, to eliminate big circles and running off. So if he, I told Brian last night, I said, a two-foot retrieve is the same as a 20-foot retrieve. It's still a retrieve. It's just there's 18 less opportunities to fail when it's two feet versus, 18, versus 20. So yes, yes, maybe shorter. Yes, maybe fewer, but make them be good. Make them, allow for them to be successful. But what you said here was, any other suggestions to break that, this habit positively? I don't think that we have to look at this as positively or negatively as much as we have to look at it as positively from like a habit form, like like constructive, I should say. Not positive or negative, but constructive. You need to get constructive with what you're doing. I don't, There, there's a confusion I think out there that people have to either be positive or negative with it, as far as their training goes. This is another side note. I'm both, okay? I'm pressure and I'm praise. I'm a little bit of both. All the time, all dependent and predicated on what the dog does. I don't think it can be all positive. I don't think it can be all negative. I think it needs to be both, and I think the key is trying to find balance. You've that's a, that's a that's a message that never changes. I've talked about it in dozens and dozens and dozens of other podcasts, in articles I've written, all sorts of stuff. Finding balance is the most important. So I, I wanted to touch on that because the question, you know, I can sense this, and, and it's just an email, so it's hard to, it's hard to. I, I maybe pick up on things differently, but you made a point of noting positively. There is, there is going to, there is some pressure to hold conditioning. I will have to tell the dog no when he does it wrong. I will have to put the dummy in the dog's mouth if he wants to fight it. If the dog really wants to fight it, I will have to win that battle. And that doesn't come by giving him kisses and, and kibble. It's going to take me firming up. It doesn't mean you have to be hard. It means you have to be firm. And that to me is, again, goes back to just about everything we do in training. So number two here, what are the actual steps of hold conditioning? Steps in progression. From what I've gathered, let me know if this is correct. You broke it down step one through step seven. And I'm going to say, stop looking at it this way. Because there's no steps in this. There's a, there could be a thousand steps with one dog and a hundred with another. Step 14 and 15 were with Brian's dog last night and I've never done them with any other dog. So I, I'm not going to fall into the trap of trying to make people feel happy by telling them, here's the steps, one, two, three. 
A, B, C. Everybody wants it. It's not possible. And until the, the, the way it's going to get easier for you, Pat, is to com- get to hear that enough that you say, I can't be looking at it that way. I can't look at it. I don't like picking on engineers. I do sometimes. I do at workshops because we get a lot of engineers that come to workshops. And I always bring up engineers and I always get one or two to raise their hand. And I don't, I'm not picking on them. But an engineer is the best and easy way for us to, accountants, I think, can be thrown into this bucket a little bit sometimes. But, and it's not every one of them. So don't take, don't be hurt if I, if you are one and I'm offending you. Toughen up. But he, there's a way of thinking thought process there's a difference between the the engineer and the artist there's a difference between the photographer and the accountant there's a difference between and there's differences between everything but those are real dramatic staunch differences and so the mindset and the mentality has to be capable and if you are an engineer or an or uh, an accountant i got good news for you the skills that you have are very valuable as a trainer. Like the, the ability for you to process analytical things, really positive. What you need to be able to do is start understanding that there needs to be a little bit of looseness, a little bit of freedom to that. It's not so set in stone. It's not so linear. A little more circular. So it's a different mindset. And I think the beauty of this what I have found is a lot of the, a lot of people that we've worked with that have that mindset, and that's just in them. You don't change that. I'm not going to change that. I'm not trying to change that. It's in them. Folks that have that start are forced to, if they if they do it. I mean, they don't they don't have to, but if they if they do it, I think they have more success. They start to think a little bit different when it comes to their dogs. And maybe you just maybe you just compartmentalize it, and it's when it comes to dog training, you're gonna have a little bit different approach to things the way you think about it. I think what's nice about that is, is the, it's the it's the it's an extreme in that case. It's an extreme opposite of what they're normally doing or thinking. And so, in order to get in the middle, you have to be a little extreme to begin with, one side or the other, and one side or the other, and it gets wider. It starts out real wide, and then it narrows a bit, and then it narrows a bit, and then it narrows a bit, and all of a sudden you're in the middle, and that's about where I like to try to stay. So you don't have to be dead smack in the middle, but you try to get closer to the middle than what you are, and and some of this thought process is very far to one side, and so you've broken down steps one through seven real nicely. That might be true for Kimber. That might be true for Timber. That might be true for Elsa. That might, but that's not true for Tito. That's not true for Jet. That's not true for Taylor. That's not true for Spry. Like 10,000 dogs you can name and steps one through seven might apply to 10 of them. It, there is no, you got the general gist. I'll agree with those one through sevens, but there might be 10 steps in between a couple of them. There might be some stuff way beyond it. What I think you got to do is, and this is this comes back to what we're trying to do with this new delivery of hold conditioning information. I am going to try to share as much of it that as we have, and I'm going to try to continue to put more of it out there. We've got more dogs we're going to show you it with. We've got a bunch that we've done and just never got around to sharing it. But we're going to try to show it and have you realize I can understand 
the general idea of this. I also understand that it's very fluid. There's a lot of movement there. And I need to start to figure out where myself and my dog fits into it. So yes to one th- steps one through seven that you've listed, but not definitive. And, and some of it will be tools. I, there's, there's something that stands out to me with a lot of dogs that have sloppy delivery. We're going to talk about it a little bit later. I won't get into it right now. But it has to do with some of the tools. And I think we can make it easier. And I also think that I, I am 100% going to make a point of saying, you're, the beauty for you, Pat, is, is you're in this boat right now because you're at six months, one week. Well, now you're at six months and four weeks, three weeks, because this was from a couple weeks ago. So let's just say you're seven months. Don't take the pressure off yourself of the delivery. You don't need it to be perfect right now. You're not hunting this fall. I, I don't know that I would be hunting a dog this fall if I, if I had one right now that was seven months old probably not ready so oh my god i got a year and four months i got a year and three months to get ready for the following september beautiful zero pressure no pressure at all get get go back and start to set your dog up so that when you do hold condition in three four five six months it goes really smoothly it goes a lot smoother there's a lot less there's a lot less like major construction that has to take place, major reconstruction that has to take place. Instead, it's just, oh, polish this up, polish that up, reshape that a little bit. I prefer this. But the, the majority of the work in shaping is done between now and then. And that comes from just backing up and starting to set things up to be successful and start shaping that. Hold conditioning starts with the first retrieve you make. And that has happened for you. That has happened with every bone, toy, and ball that the dog has picked up and played with. It started to shape. And you're seeing it. You're seeing it come out. So fix that. That's an easy thing. Pick them up. Get rid of them. Start back in the hallway. Treat the seven-month-old dog like a seven-week-old dog. And just start over. And take away all the things that are going to erode it between now and 14 months. And see what happens. I guarantee you, you'll be fine. But you're going to have to accept the fact that, hey, we're just not going to be making polished retrieves by the time this dog is eight months old. It's not going to happen. Go watch Live with Spry. Live with Spry is a series of playlists that we did. Spry is a fantastic little dog. We're going to have two of her puppies going out here this week. One of them I'll be training with my son. So Spry struggled with early retrieves. I don't think I had her making very nice retrieves until she was close to 10 months old. So put that into perspective. Your dog isn't seven months old yet. So I don't even know. I don't remember Spry's training that well. But if I went back on it, I'd be curious to look at seven months old what I was doing with her. I bet you I wasn't making nice retrieves. Because I remember it was about 10 months before we did it. And we did it in in a... It just clicked with her. I beat myself up trying to figure it out. I couldn't figure out why she wasn't doing it. I was frustrated. I was frustrated. I stopped worrying about it. I stopped thinking about it. I stopped working on it. And one day, it was at our old shop. I remember it was, I remember it well. She picked it up and I thought, ta-da. It took time. It's all it took. It took time. Had to get right with her. We, we a lot of times think, 
This training process should move along as we are ready to move it along. I got news for you. There's two parties involved. And in order for it to happen, both parties got to be on the same page. One party is you, one party is your dog. And if your dog's not ready for whatever reason, mentally, physically, something that's happened in the past, something that hasn't happened in the past, whatever the reason is, if they're not ready to go, they're not going. No matter how bad you want to. No matter how bad you want to because this weekend you were at a competition and you saw a dog that was a month younger doing it better. Oh, I got to get there. I got to get there. I saw Tim and his dog doing it. Forget about Tim and his dog. Worry about Tim and his dog in a couple years. And just be sure that you do your take care of your business in between. That's, that's, you do that, you'll be fine. Pat, I hope this helps. I, I think the timing was great. I appreciate the question. I like how you delivered it. It really made it, I think, probably relatable to a lot of people. And we are going to, it is going to be a nice little nugget for us to add to this this hold conditioning package that playlist but it's a but we're going to create a package we're going to create something that is going to help those and and if you're a force fetch person and you're listening to this i i don't have anything against you i don't care quite honestly i don't care i used to used to really bug me used to really bother me i think you have to do what works well for you i just think I take into consideration the other party, the dog, and I know for a fact, I don't know any of them that say would tell me that, and I honestly believe that they would prefer to be force-fetched. I just don't know any that would. And that's, some people are going to say, well, you're, you know, you're humanizing the dog. Maybe. At times I do. And, and guess what? I can do that. You can do what you want to do, and I can do what I want to do. I don't have a problem with you if you force-fetch. I think there's other ways of doing it. I know there are other ways of doing it that fit better for me. This is, there are, and I know there are a lot of people that are in that same boat. And I think one of our, one of the reasons we, one of the main reasons we do any of this stuff is to help those that are interested in doing it themselves. And I'm more than willing to share everything I can that I've found success with and everything I can that I've found to not work. And so this this the whole point of the the whole purpose of this creating this hold conditioning package for you and it's going to be information it's going to be stuff that you can apply and use i think is going to make life a lot more comfortable for dogs and a lot easier on us i just think if you've ever done it there's a lot of folks that are real uncomfortable with it i understand why i i get it and so these are this is an alternative way of doing it. So excited about it. Um, we continue to grind away on it. Ben, this will be another pod. You'll probably drop pretty quickly. Uh, I'll send Pat a message and let him know. Um, I appreciate you guys listening. The support we get from this means more than you know. Uh, it means more than you know to small businesses like ours. So if there's if there's someone else out there that you like, that you like listening to, that you're getting value from, I reckon, I would ask you, and I do it now. Like I'm reminded of it myself. There's a few, there's a few pieces of content out there that I just, I, I always come away from, and I go, I'm better for listening to that one. That was good. That was really good. I took something from it. Not very. I mean, I don't listen to a lot of dog ones, um, 
I listen to just other like life stuff and I go, man, that was really good. And sending a message to someone and saying, I really appreciate that. Do it. You have no idea how well, how, how, how much it means to someone to receive it. Uh, do it. And I'm not saying me, I'm saying someone else. Find, find something that you're in, 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 in support small businesses and, and people that are doing stuff like that because it means a whole hell of a lot and it really puts wind in their sails. It keeps us going. It, push, it continues to push us. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. Do me one favor. If you're listening to these and you like them, please subscribe. That way you don't miss miss them, uh, you know, provided that we're putting them out faster. And we're going to – we we, do, we had a bit of a hiatus there with some fishing trips. Ben, you know, he's on vacation most of the summer. So uh, we're going to be back I'm at it. Out of them, though. He's out of vacation, he said, so we're back. Guy's been out of college for three weeks, and he's taken two weeks of vacation. Whatever. I don't know. Kids these days. But uh, <laughs> you guys, thank you for the support. Subscribe if you would. Follow us on our YouTube and our Instagram uh, Facebook pages. Appreciate your support. Thank you for it. We'll be back with more.